What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. Today we wrap up our series on the precedent. We've been looking at different ways that we can be an example for others. We started with the example we set for children and we saw that there has to be a balance between playing and working. Either extreme is bad for us. So we have to make a commitment to grow spiritually and put the work in. That's how we set an example for our family and friends. Then last week we were exploring how we encourage folks to specifically attend church. Spiritual growth isn't just for us. We want others to experience it too. So how do we do that? And we found sometimes tradition can actually mislead us. Uh, The Apostle Paul said to look at the leaders in the church and consider the outcome of their way of life. Don't just keep doing things the same old way because that's how you've always done them. Live a life that's inspiring to others. Live so that the story of your life invites others to join in. Now we conclude with a look at developing positive relationships with others. I was inspired this week particularly by some of the friendships here at Grace. Some of you you here already do this really well, and I want to share your secret with the rest of us. How do you set a precedent when it comes to friendship? Let's look at our scripture for today. Judianne is going to read for us. We are again looking at the story of the Apostle Paul, who is a mentor to the young man Timothy. We are in the second book of Timothy, where Paul is still writing while he's in prison. Things are actually even worse now than they were before. People opposed to uh, uh, Paul and, and to Jesus are spreading across Asia, and Paul wants to encourage his friend to be faithful, to follow the path no matter the cost. Let's hear this passage from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-18. through 18. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent, whether the time is favorable or unfavorable, convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching, for the time is coming when people will not up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, Carry out your ministry fully. As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me 
and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful in my ministry. I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will pay him back for his deeds. You also must be aware of him, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And from 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 through 3, when David had finished speaking to King Saul, the soul of Jonathan was bound to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, make us an inclusive community passionately following Jesus Christ. Mold us and shape us to your will so that our lives might be an example to others. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Friends can come from the strangest of places sometimes. Maybe you've heard about some of these wild pairings where animals from different species are friends. Here are a few of my favorite examples. Uh, this is Bubbles the elephant and Bella the black lab. They are great friends. Bubbles was brought to a safari reserve in the U.S. after being rescued from ivory poachers, and Bella was left by a contractor for the park. They have been best friends ever since, especially when Bella uses Bubbles as a diving board. Uh, this is Shere Khan, the tiger, Baloo the bear, and Leo the lion. The three of them were rescued together from a drug dealer who had abused them extensively. Because of what they suffered together, the three are now inseparable friends. They are under the care of the Noah's Ark Animal Sanctuary. And now, my dog and cat living in the same house together and getting along isn't quite as cute as these other unique animals, but I do appreciate them. Uh, we actually got my dog Pearl from a rescue shelter in the area named Peace for Paws, and I was thinking about these different friendship stories of animals. I just happened to come across one from that organization. They have two dogs named Barney and Thelma, and they really are a pair. Uh, Thelma was pregnant with puppies when she was rescued, and Barney just took right to her. He was so committed to protecting her throughout her pregnancy, the shelter had to put him right next to her kennel. 
a Peace for Paws calls them a bonded pair and is working to have them adopted together. So if you're looking to adopt, maybe these are the animals for you. Now, sometimes these pairings don't really make sense, right? Sometimes they seem to come out of nowhere, and we know that's true for people too. Even in our church, we have all kinds of people connected together. Uh, Just a couple of weeks ago, when we had our Valentine's Parents' Night Out, I was leading the games for the kids, and I noticed we have a variety of ages in that group. There were kids at just three years old, some still in diapers, up through elementary school, and then we had some middle schoolers who are really just a few months from high school helping out. They jumped right into the games with those little ones. But I noticed it because it is so unusual. Children are so often divided by age and grade, but what a gift it was to see these different ages all having fun together. You might even say it's really easy for children to make friends, put two kids together in a room, and often by the end they are happily playing with each other. But when it comes to adults, it can seem so much harder. Friendship just doesn't seem to come as easily after the schooling years. The Surgeon General who oversees public health has been warning for years that the United States is in a loneliness epidemic. And the pandemic only made it worse. Many people lost touch with friends after the shutdowns. If you've noticed you have less connections with people these days or you feel lonely, you are not alone. It's hard to make friends. And this is especially true for older adults. And here's why. To make friends, you need two things. One, continuous, unplanned interactions with people. And two, shared vulnerability. Add on top of that that we are busier than ever. We already have less time available for friends we may already have. So how can we make new friends? One interesting fact I came across, though, is that singing together has been shown to be particularly effective in cementing friendship. So maybe joining the Grace Church Choir is an easy way to make some new friends. Uh, For many of us, we may want to have more friends or more connections with people or to do a better job strengthening the friendships we already have, but are struggling. You may want those better relationships, but how do you do it? And it's not just friends either. Every once in a while I hear people say things like, oh, I married my best friend. That's great for you, I think. Uh, But what about the rest of us who are struggling with our spouses and friends? How about the parents who just can't seem to make it work with their children? It is a tough world, and it can be hard to keep those relationships positive and growing. How do you make new connections and nurture the ones that you have? In the scriptures, we heard a couple of examples of people who are getting it right. The Apostle Paul has been thrown in prison for preaching about Jesus. He even gripes about some of the people who have abandoned him in his time of need. So he reaches out to one of his most trusted friends, the man he mentored when he was just a teenage boy, Timothy of Ephesus. He has Luke, and he tells him to get Mark too. It's like he's getting the old band back together, and perhaps it's just in time. It won't be long before Paul is executed, so he is sharing his pearls of wisdom with his friends. 
This is his last letter, and you can hear in some of these personal instructions his urgency. Get my coat, get my books, and especially my papers. My hour has come, and I have fought the good fight. This is his last hurrah. There are a few words of wisdom here, though, that really are pearls. He offers up one big one as he encourages Timothy to set a good example for others. He says, For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires. That's a funny phrase, itching ears. It means they will turn to people who tell them what they want to hear. An itch needs to be scratched, right? So they will pay people to do just that. We have many colorful phrases for this activity, but I'll stick with they are paying to hear what they want to hear. The Apostle Paul was way ahead of us, too. He was warning us against echo chambers where the news and media we consume simply repeats what we already believe way before that was even a popular phrase. And too often when it comes to our relationships with others, We aren't seeking out unplanned interactions or shared vulnerability. Instead, we want to have our ears scratched. We want people to say and do the things that we think are exactly right. It's almost like we think the only people who are worth our time are people who think and act exactly like us. Paul is reminding Timothy, whoa, hey, no, that's not how this works. We aren't looking for echo chambers. We want the Holy Spirit. We want God at work among us. And sometimes that means we have to hear a hard truth. Sometimes it takes someone to convince us or to rebuke us. But I love that the Apostle Paul says, yeah, and be sure to encourage them and be patient in your teaching. People aren't going to get it right right away. So keep working, keep teaching, and keep blessing them along the way. Relationships are hard work, so be patient in this process. But perhaps most of all, Paul reminds young Timothy, who probably isn't so young anymore, to keep preaching, keep sharing this good news about Jesus Christ. We had a men's meeting a couple of weeks ago, and one of the men brought up this idea. We've been studying Genesis and how when, when sin entered the world, it separated us from God. One person said how important it is that we keep ourselves separate from the world. Now, this can be a confusing point. There are Bible verses that say, if anyone loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in them. Uh, and friendship with the world is enmity or war with God. That makes it sound like God wants us to hate others, to hate the world. If they aren't like me, if they don't think and act and believe the way that I do, then they are the enemy. Shun the non-believers, right? But compare that to this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And from Genesis, day after day, as God creates the whole world, God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. So is the world good or bad? Should we be open to people and making friendships, or should we stay away because they are evil? It's confusing because the Bible uses the word world in a whole bunch of different ways, But if you look carefully, you can usually figure it out. 
In the couple of verses I quoted about the world being evil, it pretty immediately lists bad stuff like adultery and pride. When it says world, it's talking about sin, not necessarily the people and things in it. Um, My son has been struggling some lately, and he's not sure how to feel about one of his friends at school. They used to hang out a lot, but lately he doesn't want want to, and we asked him about it. He told us that his friend swears a lot, and for for Davey at this stage, maybe that's something that he needs to stay away from for now. It's not the person, it's the cursing. Keeping yourself from sin in a season where you are struggling with it is good. For the most part, though, the emphasis in Scripture is on God's love. The life and death and resurrection of Jesus is an absolute love letter to the world. It is God giving everything, even his son, so that people can experience life in its fullness. I think of how much I've grown and changed over the years. I would not want people to judge me and evaluate my worth as a person based on the dumb stuff that I did when I was a teenager. In fact, I hope people don't judge me on the dumb stuff that I did last week. What I want is for people to forgive me and encourage me to do better next time. How fair is it to judge people in the middle of the story? Think about your own journey and some of the people you know. How many of you had a season in your life where you were very far away from God? How many of us have known friends or children who didn't want to have anything to do with religion or with God, only to find themselves later in life deeply committed to Jesus Christ? How sad would it be to reject these people in the middle of that story? These folks who may not know God and may not act the way you do are not enemies. They are future friends. They are the next convert, the next mentor, the next pastor of this church. Friendship happens when we spend some time with someone and are able to lower our guard and let them in. If we have a hostile stance toward other people, we are cutting off the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to be at work in us and through us. I happened to come across a name this week I didn't recognize. It was about J.K. Rowling and the Harry Potter controversy that's been swirling for a few weeks. And the name was Megan Phelps Roper. She is the granddaughter of Fred Phelps, the pastor at the Westboro Baptist Church. I'm not one to criticize other churches and their ministries, but I, I struggle to call this place a church. Numerous organizations have called this a hate group. They have picketed the funerals of AIDS victims and soldiers killed in combat overseas. A few years ago, there was a school shooting, and one of the people from Westboro Baptist was interviewed and asked if the children who died in the school shooting deserved it. And the answer came back, yes, they died because they didn't believe in Jesus. This group has a very sad and and twisted view of God and the problem of evil. But Megan, the granddaughter of Fred Phelps, is different. When she was just a little girl, she was brought to these protests. If you listen to her story, you'll hear her say how she was given these signs with these hateful statements on it and that she was too young to even read them. It was a stunt for publicity, and she was used by her family to spread an evil message. 
It continued for years until one day she joined Twitter. Megan was trying to spread this hateful view when she was getting messaged, messaged back on Twitter. Eventually, the messaging would get past the initial stuff of two very different hostile views of the other position and move to questions. How did you get to this? Why do you think these things? Have you read the rest of the Bible? And perhaps one of the most surprising things possible happened in the midst of spewing hatred of all kinds of people, even Jewish people. Megan met with a, a rabbi at one of these protests. They had messaged on Twitter, and now they were meeting in person to talk more and maybe even to understand one another. This rabbi invited her to his home, and she accepted After dinner and conversation and working through the ideas found in the Bible, Megan realized something. She realized that these people who believed differently from her were humans worthy of time and attention. She saw how her views on the Bible were inconsistent, calling for the death penalty instead of forgiveness, demanding cruelty and hate instead of loving your neighbor as yourself. Eventually, she left Westboro. She wrote an apology, even while knowing that an apology would never be enough to undo the damage she had caused. So she committed to a new way of life, one where she let go of the harsh judgments that constantly ran through her head. She committed to listen to others, to learn and take a new path. She would tell us today, the good news is that for all of us to move forward is simple, but the bad news is that it's hard to do. Empathy and compassion are needed for people who show us contempt, but we can be so quick to judge and assume bad intent. For Megan, she found friendship with these people she had previously protested, and one lucky guy among them even became her husband. Friendship was forged in a truly unexpected place. Her life was changed for the better by people who refused to judge someone in the middle of their story, but instead asked good questions and continued to share God's love. When we do that, friendship can show up in surprising places. Be open and be vulnerable so that you can set a precedent for others. When you do it, it can change your relationship with friends and family and lead even the most hateful people straight into the arms of the loving God. Amen? Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.